Hello, everyone. We're just going live with Jed Butter from the Retail Mind, Max McGillivray, BSOC Global. We're just waiting for all the social media to kick in. We're talking rugby. So come, come on, Jed, who's your favourite rugby team um, on an international perspective? Is it Italy or New Zealand? That would be a hard one to say, really. So if I'm on an international, you have to, it has to be the All Blacks, doesn't it, really? So, okay. oh yeah, well, hold on. But I'm obviously leading the witness slightly here. Presumably, you favour England over everyone else, do you? Absolutely. I was going to say, I don't know why. <laughs> yes. That's why. Why that England weren't? I, I, I trapped you and trapped you, Jed, from the from from the get go. So come on, what, what do you think of uh, Eng England for the Six Nations? Do we have a chance? No, not a chance. <laughs> I mean, there are there are there are two teams who are. Uh, Head and shoulders above anybody else, uh, and that is Ireland and uh, and France. And Ireland are certainly are they're, they're the ones that are my I, my expectations are there. Be and unfortunately, yeah, with with Irish grandparents, I say yeah, well they they they're my second team. Yeah, and actually, it's quite isn't there an interesting analogy to be made with um, um, rugby teams and retailers that the only thing you could ever predict is change. England have been dominant in um, in in the past, but now now they're not. Some retailers have been dominant, and now they're not. Um, some some teams come and go. Some retailers um, come and go. Jed, is it all about leadership? It's it is absolutely it's all about leadership. And actually, the one that I'd highlight there probably actually is Wales, because actually, if you look for years, so the past few what four or five years, they were absolutely on top of the game. Then brought in a new leader, didn't get where they wanted. So they brought back the same coach, and actually, they they're, they're yeah. not there. So that and that's the reality. So these things happen. Leadership is massively important. It all comes down from that. So the culture of a business, culture of whether it's whether it's sports or business. Leadership makes such a big difference. Big difference. How how do you create a leader? Um, I don't know if you if you can create leadership. So I think what you can do as a leader, leaders are something that. I mean, now when I was at Asda, I saw I saw good leaders. I saw really poor leaders, uh, okay. and and everything in between. So a good a good leader is someone actually is. Someone who always wants to keep learning uh, and actually okay. is there is there is there for their team uh, and actually they want their team to succeed and the and the success of the team is more important than, than them. The bad leaders and I saw probably saw towards the end of my time I saw more of those than good. They're the ones who they want to be in the spotlight all the time. Uh, yeah. so it's not about them and actually that that's where they just get it wrong. Yeah, and, and do you think we're we've actually created that issue at the moment, especially with the likes of social media that they're. There are, there are a number of leaders or recent past leaders of, of, of retailers that they just wanted to be front and centre and, and they weren't, as, as we're both, both now agreeing, leaders. They weren't taking the team with them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what one thing that I know for, for a retailer, you have got to be laser sharp on what your direction it is you're going. Where are you going? Why are you going there? And then you can take your people with you. So, and I, I had that. There was times when I was at ASDA and we had that. We were really crystal clear on what we were doing. That meant that the conversations I could have with my suppliers, with my team, we knew what we were doing. Uh, yeah. But I also had times where things were the complete opposite. I can remember there was one time where this is probably early days in my time as a buyer. Uh, and the leadership then at that point was really poor. It was after the uh, Alan and Archie, they'd left and we'd had change. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we were told, right, one literally one day we were told we are not doing bog offs. There are we're not buy one, get one free is something we are not going to do. Literally the next day, my boss came in and said, right, 
we need to find bogoffs. No. <laughs> so, like, well, how do you deal with it? So, but then what that means is this, you're thinking, well, I've got no confidence. Yeah. No confidence in the leadership if that's what they're doing, if they're flip-flopping around. around. Yeah. Got no confidence. Yeah, but it's, it's it's a bit. Oh, I don't want to go too political on this, Jed. But it's a bit like um, all the debacle with the hundred thousand WhatsApps that are coming out from from government via uh, Matt Hancock. You can you can see how disorganised governments uh, can be when we had this illusion that actually they're, they're pretty well organised. But it's but it's not. Oh, I suppose it's not. It's not. It's not rocket science. But you've, it's just uh, one of the best businesses I ever came across. They had this philosophy of it's a bit jingoistic, but I've always quite liked it of the golden thread. That they had this golden thread. They knew what the end plan was, that they were going to sell out five years down the line. They already had a potential purchaser. And if they hit all their key uh, points, they would be able to sell. So everyone was on this golden thread. And at board meetings, they would tackle the horny issues uh, first. And if there was any uh, conversation to be had about new equipment or new people, is it on the thread? Is it on the thread? It was just keep keeping it, st- yeah. keep it simple, stupid. And, and it worked so well for all of that team which had MBAs through to the forklift drivers and they all got it and the, the, the business sold successfully and they all benefited from it. They just didn't confuse it. Yeah. And that's what we had when certainly as, when Asda was working at his best, then our mission was that simple. Yeah. It was absolutely about value. It was customer yeah. value. So we, we were the price leader, the yeah. bar none. That was, yeah. So even Aldi were around, we were the price leader yeah. and we, everything we did, was about that so and when we did that we were laser shot our suppliers knew what we were doing yeah we worked with them to achieve it and lo and behold we were successful yeah yeah and there's a, a particular fresh produce supplier back in the day i remember seeing their md and he was so proud to say max was so close to asda we're virtually having showers with them and they were, they were, they were so proud to be so close to asda it was all like one 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 big family jed, jed we've got all my um social media lights um on so let me just give a bit of a background to to jed um especially for those people on the on the podcast we're live on linkedin live on uh, facebook live on twitter and live on youtube Jed, Jed is a unique individual. I think a real beacon of hope in a retail sector that's in a very high degree of turmoil currently. The sectors are deeply political. We all know that. And that suppliers cannot voice what they want to say in fear of a negative reaction from the retail paymasters. Jed can voice what everyone wants to say. You need to follow and listen to Jed and support him to get his message over to the mainstream press, the government, and of course the retailers, because we do need to see change and significant change. We wanted to get Jed on because we wanted to ask him the the three main questions. What has happened? Why has it happened? What is going to happen? Um, I'm not uh, solo in this. I want your questions. So fire them in either on uh, Zoom or via LinkedIn, and the team will fire them um, over to me. So let's talk about uh, Jed and just give you a bit more of a background to him. He's a very well-known and highly respected uh, GSCOP expert, having specialised in this area for the last five years. He has over 26 years' experience in retail at a senior level for managing stores, working in the supply chain, and then working as a senior buyer for the world's largest retailer. We go live with him to get his views of what he's seen in the unpredictable world of retail supply. Um, he's been training for 10 years, uh, last five years training suppliers, helping them get uh, to work better with retailers. And he delivers training consultancy that supports delegates and businesses to make the most of the relationships they have with their key retailing partners. He offers insight into what makes a retailer tick and how to use this to improve profitable relationships. His experience gives him a pragmatic and insightful approach to having a successful and profitable, profitable relationship with yeah. retailers. Um, look at his website, The Retail Mind, www.theretailmind.co.uk. 
Jed, anything to add to that before I, I, I get into the nuts and bolts of what's happening out there? No, I think you're, you're right. And actually, that I, I do think that I am in a unique position. I'm in a unique position because yeah. I've actually, I worked in a store, I worked in supply chain, and I worked at a senior buyer level. So I understand the complete supply chain of retail. So I know what matters. And also now, because none of my clients are retailers, then I can see and I know retailers are utterly predictable. And what I can do is I can give the insight into why are they doing what they're doing? And also, well, so what? What do you need to do to make a difference? Because that's the important part. I mean, I can give as much insight as you want, but actually is what, so what, what good is it to you? Yeah. And as, as I say, there's very few people like Jed who is independent, but knows it from both sides that can give us the advice. You've got to follow uh, Jed on, on link, LinkedIn, especially his, uh, some of his posts uh, recently. So let's just get into this. Um, last couple of days uh, on the BBC website, Dimbleby blames supermarket culture for bed shortages. Government food czar and restaurant owner Henry Dimbleby tells the BBC Today programme that supermarket culture, not weather, is to blame for produce shortages in the UK. Fixed price contracts between British supermarkets and their suppliers are to blame for the empty vegetable shelves across UK stores, according to Henry Dimbleby. In the UK, an iceberg lettuce costs 70p. In Europe, it is £1.50. Peppers are three times the price. This also works the other way. In the summer, when there's a glut of iceberg, supermarkets refuse to lower the prices so farmers can't sell their gluts and farmers have to dig product into the ground. Dimbleby said fresh produce shortages in the UK will become a more common occurrence in future due to climate change and because investment in horticulture in the UK is much lower than Europe. Andrew Oppie. Director of Food and Sustainability. I love how these people are now getting, uh, Jed, are getting these titles of sustainability. Even my bank manager's got the title of sustainability. Uh, Andrew, uh, Director of Food and Sustainability at the British Retail Consortium, disagreed with Dimbleby on the issues of supermarket contracts, stating uh, consumers' household incomes have been squeezed all over, so supermarkets are working with suppliers to keep prices down. Consumers wouldn't, wouldn't welcome paying double for iceberg lettuce or cucumber, he said. Supermarkets are trying to find a balance between suppliers and consumers. And then Jed comes in. There are no reports of shortages in France and Germany, and European shoppers have shared photos of supermarket shelves, in stark contrast to British supermarkets, and there is the rub. The truth is not difficult to find, even when hidden by statements blaming it all on the weather. Yes, the weather is a factor, but it is but one of the factors. The fact of the matter is UK retailers had hedged their bets last year. They bet that they wouldn't need to use UK greenhouse for produce in January and February of this year. Yet again, they put all their money on black and it landed on red. I go on a couple of days ago. Jed states the news is all about tomatoes and salad stuff at the moment. The BRC saying that it's all about imports. How do they explain the one billion eggs that have not been produced then? How do they explain why months after the issue was first raised, we still have huge shortages of eggs in the supermarkets? I went into three of the big four last week. Not a single egg was to be found in any of them. The issue is about the future of the industry. It is about long-term food security. Retailers have been on a pillaging run for years and growers and farmers can't take it. They're leaving. Investment is not happening. We will be importing more. We will see gaps on the shelf more often. Retailers are pragmatists, said the BRC. The choice they've made is that poor availability is better than higher prices. I'm just going to say that again. The choice that they've made is that poor availability is better than higher prices. That is the wrong choice. It always has been. So that was Jed from a couple of days ago. Jed, help me. Any other additional comments on that and on what you picked up over the last couple of days, please? Yeah, well, for me, and the reason why that we talk about that final point about it's the wrong choice. When I was a buyer, 
my number one thing was availability. I had to work with my suppliers to make sure I had avail without availability. I've got I literally got nothing. I can't sell fresh air. I know that yeah. fresh yeah. air is sold around the around the world in certain part, but as a buyer, I can't sell fresh air. I have to have product and I, I have to understand the supply chain. So, I mean, I traveled the world looking at supply chain in different categories. So when I was in Frozen, uh, we, I traveled the world looking at, at, at fish and prawns, looking at that works for in Frozen, it was meat, poultry, fish, and it's chips, potatoes, and veg. I'll be in the fields finding out where we're getting our produce from just to make sure, because I had to know the full supply chain. What I had to know is what risk am I have I got coming down? So in the different categories that I'm working in, are there things like tariffs that are going to change? Yep. What's happening across the course of the year? And if I didn't understand that, I wouldn't have availability. And that's what's, for, that's what's forgotten. Availability is the number one job of any retailer and that is not happening so jed treat me stupid why why has this happened well why why have they sacrificed um availability for, for higher prices from what when all the conversations that i'm having and this is certainly what i i saw as the that what you would have is you would have contracts and you'd have agreements which were long term so you'd have prices that might be for a year now when you look at the difference in the uk versus europe the reason why europe have got availability it's a couple of different reasons. The first thing actually is that the way that they buy is quite different. So they don't have fixed price, long-term contracts. What they have is they're much, their prices will mirror what's happening out there in the market. So their prices will go up and down. They will flex because that's the reality. Uh, and then that will mean that you can secure your availability. When availability goes short, prices go high. Your price will, ref will reflect that. But in the UK, you don't have that. What the UK retailers want is they want specifications that are tighter than any other country. The amount of audits that yeah. go on, and it's not just BRC. BRC grade A is not enough. So you've got BRC grade A, and then all the retailers have got their own version of their own audit as well. That's yeah. massively expensive. And then they want the lower cost for everything as well. So they want specifications which are really tight at a really low price all that is fixed all year round those days are gone we don't have that certainty anymore yeah and if, if everyone if I'm, if I'm looking a bit confused i remember this example pre the pandemic that a particular retailer um in the poultry sector would uh, send out a team of five in individuals to a site in north norfolk to check uh that the poultry and it's, it's a long old way from from london so it's an overnight stay for these five individuals and they would be there um every, every month um, a particular discounter um, who this uh, poultry supplier also served um, had never visited the site, uh, but used the, um, the the accreditation, the hard work that the big retailer had put into uh, sorting out the technical side uh, to endorse that product for their, their own discounter. Um, and um, Mike Coop at the time uh, was very frustrated because he just said that these uh, discounters are riding on our on our shirt tails. And, and Jed, help me, is that one reason why we're seeing the march of the discounters? Because they don't have this 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 burgeoning red tape this administration that the top three top four have i think yeah so the, what you've what you've got with and actually i don't i don't call aldi and little discounters because actually they're not well done. Them, they're, they're german retailers they're not discounters they've got what they've got is they've got a different model they've got a yep. different model to the multiple so you've got the german retailers and you've got the traditionals uh, and the traditionals have got a model which is extremely expensive at every single layer. Um, 
the traditional uh, the German retailers, the way that they buy, if they're putting up a new store, they will be buying everything centrally. If you go in the, in the stores, particularly of an Aldi, uh, Aldi or Little, then the formats are very similar. So the ranges in Aldi in the UK are quite different to Europe. But in, in Little, you'll see that it's, they're the same. So that keeps all your costs down. So the model that they've got set up for Aldi and Little is extremely simple. They don't have that many layers all the way through. The amount of different teams that the traditionals have is enormous. So whereas a buyer, what a buyer in Aldi or Lidl will do, the buyer will do everything. So they yeah. will find the product, they will source it, they will agree what it is, they will look at the back packaging, all of that, that's what they'll do. So that's multiple teams. Now, what I am certainly hearing now, particularly with Aldi, is as they have got bigger, they are becoming more complicated. Yep. So, and that is the change that I'm starting to see, particularly with Aldi, is actually, whereas in the past, they had one supply agreement, which was really simple. Now you've mm. got a supply agreement and you've got an overarching. And that overarching one, that's a 29-page legal document. They're bringing in more teams. They're starting to make things more complicated. Soon as they start doing that, they're going to lose the simplicity that suppliers have liked. Yep. Okay. Okay. I, I just a question's coming in as a as I feel the relevant. This is a Peter from the South Coast. Uh, Jed, are retailers simply refusing to stock shelves with very expensive salads because they don't want the political fallout of being accused of not doing enough to halt food inflation? I don't think that's the reason at all. Uh, this is I don't think the particular the retailers are particularly bothered about what the yeah. price <laughs> thing about food inflation. Food inflation is running at 17% at the moment. Yeah. If you look at that in fact inflation in some of the different categories, particularly the produce categories, it's nowhere near that. Yeah. Um, and actually that's not why they're doing it. And if you think about if you are a customer, when I can't buy it in a retailer, where I can buy, I'll go to my greengrocer. What, is it, what price does a greengrocer? The greengrocer pays the market price and yeah. the customer will then pay what the greengrocer then after after that being price being marked up. That's the reality. Yeah, yeah. Sandra from Cornwall. Jed, what is the government do to assist this situation, especially with suppliers? And Jed, can you just give this debacle of the, of the government inviting in uh, the, the, the key retailers in and, and, and perhaps there's a, a mislabeling yeah. so, issue? On so, so, so last week, the uh, the government, I think it was after the, it was, wasn't last week, it was a couple of weekends ago, the government invited in uh, the retailers uh, to go and talk about it. So the minister came and invited them in. Uh, and before they even uh, invited them in, then they sent the invite out to somebody at MS who'd left MS. You can't make it up. So that just shows their, their how they're understanding. And then what did, what did the retailers do? The retailers did not think of it as seriously. So did they send in their CEOs? No, they didn't. What they sent in wasn't even the senior directors. So the level, so the people that went in, they were not decision makers. They were not people that actually you could then decide, actually, this is what we're going to do. Are we going to do things different? What did the government say afterwards? The government said, we've had conversations and we've asked the retailers to look into what they're doing. Well, what are they really going to do with that afterwards? Going to do nothing. Well, have you looked into it? Yes. Are you going to think yeah. anything different? No. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've got this um, issue, and I've spoken about this before at other other conferences, that there's a there's a view, especially with hardcore farmers, that they think that the, the government is going to somehow step in and um, and, and save the day. But let's be realistic, Jed. We, we are, it looks likely that 
we're going to have a change of government within the next 18 months. If you look at some of the powerhouses of food groups um, or and uh, trade groups, uh, they're all now lobbying uh, the Labour Party very, very, very heavily. Um, NFU conference uh, last week, it wasn't uh, Theresa uh, Coffey's uh, great, greatest show uh, performance there. Do you want to just hi hi highlight that? And uh, especially for our international audience. See, well, uh, if you think about it, actually, it's, it's, this is the second year that the government have sent a minister to the NFU conference and they've been ridiculed. So a year before we had George, George Eustace, again, who just showed a complete lack of understanding of the farm community. And then this year we've had Teresa Kofi doing exactly the same thing. And then afterwards made it even worse with some of the comments that she's been saying. So when she's saying actually, well, we should be eating turnips because actually they're more seasonal. Why? So people aren't, don't eat turnips. You can't, if you went into the top 10 retailers, you, you might find a turnip in one of them. So, but actually that's not something, that's not the answer. So you've got to think about what actually is it. Now, I also do think that actually is the answer government intervention. That's not something that I've ever been an advocate. I've always been, certainly as a buyer, I wanted to do these things myself. I didn't want to rely on anybody else. Yeah. But now when I work for myself, again, I rely on myself to get things done. And I think that that's the thing that, be it farmers, producers, growers, this is where you've got to say, you know, this is what either we you, we get this or we're going to find an alternative. The most important thing is you have to find what are the alternatives? Do you have any alternatives that you can? Where can you sell your product? Who can you sell your product to? And it's and it's sometimes it takes more time to do that. But you've got to be always be looking at, well, if, if I lose this, what am I going to do? Yeah. yeah. And, and Jed, isn't there always a silver cloud? I've, I've talked about it so many times over the last two years. I think the Dutch example is a, a fantastic one where they call it the Dutch diamond, where they have a symbiotic link between education, uh, government and and uh, the, the sector, the fresh produce sector. And so they've got this virtuous circle. So they're all contributing to. And that's one of the reasons why um, uh, Holland is such a powerhouse when it comes to, to horticulture. Here we've we've got this all this disruption going on, but actually, could there not, Jed, be some some positivity that comes comes from this? Especially if inflation is as it's predicted is to come down uh, late later this year, and we have a bit of stability. Let, let's just part what's going on with the lights of Ukraine. But could you see that this is just a that this, we're potentially at a tipping point here where we we can see better relationships with retailers and suppliers, and there will be a new dawn, Jed. I would love to think that there can be, and that's that's always been my hope. The re one of the reasons why I do what what I do is because I want to shine a light on bad practice. The reason why I shine a light on bad practice is because I know there is a better way of doing things. That better way of doing things as a buyer is what I used to do. So when I was a buyer, I would have much better relationships with all of my suppliers, and those suppliers are ones that I'm still working with now when I'm working for myself. I haven't got that big title of a buyer. Yeah. So you will pick the phone up for me with me. So that is why. So but what what we need to have and this is this is the big ask is actually is that relationship with food. It's the relationship. Where does food come from? It's that understanding and absolute. I think education is a massive part of it. How do we get our kids educating on the educated on the food that where does it, where does it come from? Understanding the whole life cycle of food and where it comes from going in the fields understanding farming all these different things that is a massive part of that that's missing uh, mm. and i think that's that's that that is a that's a real negative at the moment
Yep. And if you look at the, the stats that the NFU um, have, have saw, six out of 10 kids don't know where fruit and veg come from. And, and, and I suppose that the issue is, is <laughs> let's give the other, other stat, Jed, that's uh, unfortunately quite, quite hilarious. That's um, so many people say Jeremy Clarkson has done more for agriculture mm-hmm. than 24 years of country file, um, even though he's uh, a, a narcissist and likes to beat up production people for, for giving him the wrong stake. He's actually done such a good job for promoting agriculture. And there's so many people in my network, and I'm sure yours, that have now worked out that agriculture is re- really hard, not only because of the environment, but because of the, the, the lack of income that can come in. But then we've got this sort of urbanized community that of our 70 million uh, souls, that it's really difficult for the for the farming community and the, and the growers to be able to promote out what, what we do. Um, and then you've got the, the major uh, 10, 12 food groups who are, who are keen to stuff don't say crap, uh, rubbish down down our throats. So they're adding no value uh, to us and uh, or our kids. And you know all the stats about, about the obesity. And Jed, probably like uh, me, you've been to a myriad of, of meetings over the last 10, 20 years about um, how we need to educate the consumer. So really good shiny examples. Uh, veg Power um, has been going three, four years now and they've punched above their weight. They've got free cinema advertising, free advertising on ITV uh, during the likes of um, uh, Britain's Got Talent and other shows and um, and mainstream advertising. They've, they've had some really impactful stuff. But Jed, I know it's not your your thing, but you 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 will have seen it from a retail perspective and also your your consultancy perspective. What what's the the magic dust as to how we can get the consumer more more engaged uh, with 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 food with fresh produce? Is it just QR codes on on the back of cucumbers? Um, it, is it uh, um, having personalities uh, sponsoring for little costs uh, the likes of tomatoes to, to get the get the what, what's the answer? Yeah, for me that. If if I if I had the answer, I'd be a multi-millionaire. <laughs> I'll be following you. <laughs> but but the, the the answer is basically is we have to we have to make food a much more important part of of education. That's where it all starts. So and actually, our kids being taught what foods are, how to use foods, how to use the different foods, how to scratch cook. That's yeah. certainly something that actually I think that so that education part has to happen in the schools and i know there are plenty there are teachers out there uh and when i was at it was actually at the uh carrot and onion conference last last year there was one of the there was a teacher there who was saying about this is what he does and actually so there are some there are teachers out there but it's 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 not mainstream and it's it needs yeah. to be much more mainstream in actually how kids are taught about food and what food actually means yeah and is it not jed in some respects a bit of a bit of a war look at greg's all credit to them but they've just announced they're going to be opening another 120 stores yeah and greg's it's it's okay on a saturday morning if you've been out watching the rugby the night before but you don't want your kids having that for breakfast every day or or, or the tradies and the, the one nearest us is full of kids and tradies uh day in uh, day out uh, because they've got a commercial model and that's where I get frustrated with our fresh produce sector um, because everyone does such a good job but we've never been allowed uh, the ability to go mad with marketing because we, we haven't had the margin uh, com- coming in. Jed, you would have sat in front of so many businesses like I've done. Um, I, I remember years ago, I'll, I'll name them because they're not in the in the UK um, as much. Cape Span, the then MD of um, of Cape Span, uh, was very very proudly told me this must be ooh, eighteen years ago. Max with two hundred million pound turnover. Look at us. Uh, it's all just out of curiosity. What margin are you making out of that? And I had to ask him five times over a one hour conversation to find out it was sub two percent. It's like, well, what's the point of, of being being in business? What's if 
if you look at someone like, let's go extreme example, Diageo, and you know far better than, than, than I, but they're making double digit margins and hence why they, they can advertise on billboards all the way through to um, uh, TV advertising because they've got that. Well, what's that standard thing? Jed, yeah, that's uh, of, a, of a can of Coke, 24% of the ink of that price of Coke uh, goes on, on marketing it. Do you, again, do you think if we could um, get more margin return from, from the retailers and we could create more brands like they do in the States, like, like they do in, in Europe, that, that would help us to educate the consumer? Yeah, I, I do. I think because actually, if you think about in produce, well, what actually is a in diff, all sorts of different categories in as a, as, as a category? There are very few brands in there, and actually, so what? What do people look at? So how do they? How do they look at? How do they, they identify a product? How do they identify a category? So outside of produce, then you would identify categories by what is that brand leader. So in 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 baked beans, it will be Heinz. So it, same for for soup. Then when you go down the frozen aisle, it might be Bird's Eye Peas. There are there are categories out there where you've got beacons on that, and you don't have the same in produce. And that big reason is because the margin has not been allowed to flow through all the way back. So every single year, more and more is taken out. So that means that the amount of investment that's happening within the produce sector is getting less and less and less. As it gets less and less, then the reason for farmers, for producers, for growers to continue to stay in it, well, why would you do that? Why You yeah. can't afford it. If every year, right, how much more of my savings have I got to invest to stand still? Yeah, that's yeah. at some point your savings are gone yeah. and you can't do that. So that's what we're seeing at the moment. We're seeing it in all sorts of different sectors, whether it is uh, the Lee Valley, whether we're seeing it with apple growers. We're seeing an apple growers, farms, yeah. they, they are just they are cutting down orchards. So it's not just they are not planting new uh, crops, but they're cutting down orchards. That is it. Yeah. And then what's going to happen? We are going to have less and less capacity for our own product. And that, that's not a good place for us to be long term. Yep. And, and just give us that retail dynamic of physically walking into a store, we'll pick any store. The first thing that you tend to see is, is the fresh produce. So that, that's exciting, uh, the, the eye. Um, but none of it is is, is branded. Um, and then you go around the rest of the store, and then there's um, own, own label and, and branded. Is there a philosophy by the retailers within the UK that they just don't want that to be branded uh, because they're going to make better margin on the other stuff within within the store um, rather than rather than the fruit and veg? I don't think that's that's how it sits. So I think when you look at fresh produce, when you go in, then for most of the retail, well, for all of the retailers now, that is that is the beacon. This is actually when you first walk into a store, produce is how you define that retailer. Yeah, well done. How serious are they? Are they someone who knows the difference in the produce that they've got? All these different things that are going on. And actually, what we're seeing now, we've seen greengrocers stripped out of stores. Yeah, the price is yep. all about price now, and everything yep. is. And I get what we have with Aldi and Lidl be it either super six so rotating now that that is fine because sometimes during the course of the year what you've got is you've got gluts so that's how the super six should work so actually at the time when you've got glut this is great what you can do is we can put that in we can sell it as a farmer can do but actually it's at a price that the farmer can afford that so actually you've got a reason to do it rather than plowing it back into the ground so produce is something that it should be much more exciting and interesting and appealing because there are so there are, think about what's happening in, in produce and different products in there. We have got a much more varied 
set of uh, products out there than we ever have. But we just kind of expect the customer to know what they are. Thomas in, in Kent, is product providence no longer important? Price rules over country of origin? It does, I'm afraid. And actually, if you look at and compare, compare the UK to France, then in France, yeah. it's not just country of origin, but it's where it's locally. Where's it come from? It tells you where, where it is locally. So, and that's, that's the massive difference between how we see food in this country and how food is seen um, sort of ab abroad. And actually, so price is everything. That, that's why we've seen it over, the, over these past few years. Absolutely, so the relationships, because as a, as, a, as a country, we will always be a net importer. Yep. That's the, that, 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 will, that will never change. Okay. But what we have got to do is well, how do we work with it? And what will what's happen now is actually it's not just become a net import. So we're working with Spain. Great. Now we've got Morocco because Morocco is even cheaper. So yeah. that's what we're looking at. We're constantly looking at where can we find somewhere even cheaper than where we're. So where does it, what's the, where's the incentive yeah. for any, any of the, uh, the countries that we're working with? Because that's what they'll be thinking. Actually, we know what, what the UK retailers want. They won't have anything long term with this. They'll always be looking for another big deal. Yeah, and, and just going back to that European example, that's uh, the, the, the French are, are hugely uh, patriotic, uh, um, parochial to the, their own uh, fresh produce. Okay, there, there's a higher number of people within France that work in agriculture because of the, the, the size of it. But I, I always go to the example of, um, um, Jed, there's a, a UK exhibition called Cereals that happens in June. It's an outdoor event, um, all big kit and uh, everyone associated within the cereal sector. Used to be owned by, I think it was Haymarket. They sold that sold out to a French um, media media company that runs the equivalent of cereals in, in France. Um, and when they bought it and came over uh, for the uh, inaugural event of them owning it, they were so surprised that the UK prime minister uh, was not in attendance and that they just sent a, a different minister. Because in France, it's a big deal that if the, yeah. that the president of France arrived to this agriculture show because everyone loves agriculture within within France. And, and here, um, it's it's it, everyone's more annoyed about the traffic outside the event than uh, than anything else. And there's and there's there's, there's no no government support so so again it feels like we need this we require this uh the this, this sea change and, and with it with the empty shelves and the, all this uh rhetoric that comes from the government that we're but four missed meals from uh civil revolution if we if we don't if we don't have uh food food on the shelves can can you see that there's going to be change or are we going to be having this conversation in a year's time and this is this is where i i'd, I'd love to be saying I actually think retailers now they get it you know after having the issue with eggs after having the issue with the salad now they get it and they know they have to do something different i just don't see that i just don't see that any retailer is saying you know what this is where we are going to be doing things different so i know maybe someone like waitrose who might be able to do that that's how they may be able to work but they're, again waitrose now they're losing market they got 4.7 yeah. percent of the total share if you think about the top six, seven retailers, that's just not how they see it. They just don't see it in that way. And that that's that's wrong. So I don't see that we're going to be saying so we moment. So we've had um we've had eggs, we've had salad. What's gonna be next? We're already, we're already talking about it. The, the conversation that's already being talked about is it gonna be carrots, onions, leeks, and then it's gonna be apples. This is this is reality. There will always be something, and that that's that is the problem. There's the next big Gap on shelf is just around the corner. Question from Christine. Should we follow the French and make below cost selling illegal? 
if you think about the French, they've got so many different rules for so many different parts. And how do you go from where we are now to that? Yep. So, so that that is some that that's something that is it's a massive leap yeah. to take. Yeah. Um, so I I I I don't think I don't I don't see we'll ever get there. So yeah. we have to find there has to be somewhere in between the two. There, yeah. there has to be something where the retailers have to understand. And that that will be a point. There will come a point where the retailers have no option and they are being dictated every single year on yeah. what price something is going to be sold at. At that point, they'll be thinking, they will wake up and think, what world am I in? Yeah. Why, why can't I not get what I, what I want at a price that I want? Because, and this is what happens. So outside of produce, that is happening in multiple different categories. Yeah. I mean, a, lot of, a lot of my oh. clients are outside of produce. Yeah. And actually, that's what I'm seeing. So yeah. I'm seeing that the retailers, they are told by the manufacturers, this is the price. And if you don't pay that price, then you know what? I will go somewhere else. And actually, I've got people queuing up for my volume. And then when, when I sell my product to somebody else, yep. then when you're gone, you can't come back yep. because I don't have the volume for you yep. as well. Yeah, we're not seeing that in produce, and that is the reality. Yeah, and, and let's give a direct example. Uh, Hi, was it Heinz salad cream or Heinz tomato ketchup? Was it about a year ago? Well, Heinz uh, withdrew from uh, stocking in in uh, Tesco's. I think there was a three three week four week hiatus, um, and and a deal was done. And now uh, Heinz is getting somewhere in 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 the respect of fifty percent increased margin. Uh, return because they stood their ground and, and that's maybe because of Heinz the size they are and also they that they have a have a have a brand and we we don't don't um have that question from Ted and Spalding do the supermarkets talk slash collaborate no absolutely not that is the last thing that they do so and a a they they don't because they don't want to but b that would also be illegal to be talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, where yeah. are we going to be going so that is not something that they do at all what they are focused on and a, a big driver of these things over the past probably two and a half years so post during during covid so back in 2019 we had a period from march through till about start of july where we saw a massive collaboration between the retailers producers growers yeah. Yeah. to make sure there was there was food available then in july 2019 what do we have we had tesco launched aldi match and actually that has had a massive impact across the whole sector because actually what what we've seen is actually be either tesco and we now have had sainsbury's and aldi what they've what they've been saying is we can't put our prices up because it's an aldi match well i'm sorry but i'm as a as a producer you'll be saying I'm not talking about retails. That's up to you. I'm talking about my costs. My costs have gone up. So if you don't want to put your retail up, that's up to you. But my costs have gone up and this is the price that I need to recover. Yeah. Uh, Ted again. Uh, he's, he's frantic. It's our Ted. Grocery code adjudicator. Are they assisting in this moment of turmoil? Yeah, I mean, so just over 12 months ago, the GCA, so Mark White, he actually issued seven golden rules with regards to inflation. So he is absolutely on top of inflation. Excellent. He is speaking to all the retailers about inflation, uh. how they're handling, how they're dealing with. So he, what he needs, though, is he needs feedback. So if a retailer is doing something which is not co-compliant, if they're delisting products because the price has gone up, then he needs to know that. So this is, yeah, he is all over inflation actually, but it's quite different because GSCOP does not actually cover inflation. Yeah. What it does cover is delisting. 
Yep. Okay. And is, is there any way that inflation could be built in to, to their, their remit or is their, their remit set in set, That's set, not tablet system? So the, the code has been around since 2010 and yeah. there has been not a single change made to it during that time. The only thing that's happened is actually is the addition of the GCA and the fact that fines are now. But the actual code, the writing, the fine print of the code has not changed. If you think about the government and actually what they've got on their to do list, that is so far down their to do list that it's just never going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, Andrew from Lincolnshire. Uh, Max, uh, talk to Jed about being Texas tough. Uh, so this particular individual has done a, a lot, lot of study tours in in America, and has found that, especially with salad growers, that the salad growers um, they use this term Texas tough or all, all across America. If the retailers aren't prepared to buy at what the uh, what the supplier, what the growers is looking to present over, they don't they don't sell. Have 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 it feels to me like we've been always weak sellers in in the UK. We've been so excited about having these massive retail accounts. I love that example of um of Kate Span back back in the day. It's uh, it's been turnover through vanity, not profit through 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 sanity. Yeah. If if collectively, if we started to all be Texas tough, um, do you think that would make make a change? Would that that help create this momentum that feels like it's starting to build? Yeah, I I you know I think that that is the answer. The answer is within the industry. The answer is within you, that okay. you have got to have that. You've got to be thinking about how do we get Texas stuff? How do we say, you know what? this? But the way that you do that is you've got to have alternatives. You've got to be saying, you yeah. know what? If what someone are... says, I don't want it, yeah, fine, what are you going to do? Who, yeah. who are you going to sell it? And it's, this isn't a case of actually, you know what? What I'm going to do is I'm going to dig it back into the ground. I mean, maybe it is. You know what? Well, yeah. if, if you're going to lose money, what I will do is I will dig it back into the ground. Yeah. So, and that is a choice. And that, I mean, that's a it's a time when we are seeing food shortages, and at the time when people are going hungry, to be digging anything back into the ground, to be letting any any produce rot or not get picked, that that doesn't feel like. But the retail, that's all that the retailers listen to, and it's happening yeah. in every sector outside of produce. That's what is happening. So, Texas Tough is something that's happening in every sector that I work in outside of produce. OK, and, and just, just to re reiterate that, what you've got to do if you're going to be Texas tough, you've got to have another home uh, for, for your product or. Um, and and uh, So there's a number of farmers up in the lights of uh, Lake Lincolnshire that some of them are taking a year out. They're just uh, putting the land over yeah. to, to arable um, and sitting it out and, and seeing what, what happens, because why? Why? Uh, well, look at the pork industry that at one point um, each pig was costing 45 pound per producer to produce. What, why would you grow? Um, so, so they a lot of them have stepped away from from pigs and just see what happens over the next 18, 18 months. I, I suppose that's okay, Jed. If you if you've got a big enough business and a big enough cash reserve, or and you can do other things. If you're if you're a trader, but 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 then again, and we we did a great broadcast uh, about a year ago with, uh, and we had a great buyer from Pick and Pay in South Africa, and uh, that yeah. particular uh, buyer said, never waste a crisis. And if this is a crisis, there's always going to be a solution. You've just got to uh, bang heads in internally and, and come up with what that solution uh, may be, because we can't continue like this, Jeb, can we? You can't. Now, for me, what this needs to be is as, as an industry, because you've got all the different sectors to parts to it. Actually, there needs to be alignment. So where does that alignment start? I mean, the alignment for me, the alignment does start from the NFU. So actually, if you and if you've got if you've got a voice, so in each different part of it, so well, what is what are 
are the voices all aligned? Are they all saying the same thing? Are they putting the spotlight where the spotlight light needs to be held? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm starting to see. I'm starting to see voices from the produce, from farming, from this sector, starting to become much more aligned. So we're seeing it with uh, with uh, British apples and pears, seeing with Ali Kappa as well. So that the way yeah. that they're thought, you know what, uh, this is what our voice is. This is what we have to do as a sector. So, and the more aligned you are, the stronger you will be and the more you can be Texas tough. And yeah. that's where you've got to be, isn't it? You've got to be aligned because that's what, as a buyer, as a, as a, as, as a retailer, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. We are looking for the person who is going to be able to sell me that, that product cheap, that yeah. person who is not prepared to do that. And that, if that's, and that's what's happening all over the place. Yeah. There are people out there who are saying, well, yeah. you know what? I'll just sell it. I've got, I've got to sell it. I've got, and part of that is, You've got loans. You've got loans. Yeah. You've got investment that need to be paid. If yeah. you put, if you plow it back into the ground, the bank's not going to be happy with that. So yeah. all these things they they do determine why growers, farmers, producers keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, uh, Kenneth from Evesham, is the direct model of sourcing produce no longer working? Will retailers start increasing the supply base again to reduce um, exposure? Uh, just before Jed um, answers that, just to give an example, the likes of the potato sector in the UK has three major suppliers uh, that uh, accommodate the, the, the four ma major retailers. And it's taken a number of years to get to that direct model with, the, with those um, suppliers. Um, Jed, what do you think? Is that direct model of sourcing uh, no longer working? <coughs> I don't, it feels like it feels that it isn't so and actually so and I don't know what the I don't know what the model looks like because one thing retailers want is they want they want ease so what we have got is there are there are a number of different businesses who are working with the retailers who would do buy all sorts of different categories to make yeah. it easy for the so in Asda what you've got is you've got IPL so yeah. IPL is their version of it so and they will work directly with the different packers or the growers that so that is what they want to do yeah. but they it's it doesn't seem that the relationships are there that they can then reflect the changes in in the market and that's what we need to see is actually well if you're going to be working say with something like ipl how are you then working with the growers and the packers yeah. make sure that actually that your prices do reflect the change so that you've got availability yeah yeah um and this is frank <laughs> Frank and Chichester, sometimes the best thing you can you can say in business is no. <laughs> so that comes on back, back to so, so Jed, let's let's just walk walk this through with everything that you've you've got because a lot of this is a lot of this can be it, it, you can learn so much from from history, uh, whether that be God and, and politics, uh, but also in, in in retail. With what you know, with what you're picking up, just lay out for us as much as you can do what you see over the next two three years, and and just walk it back to us and and say what we should be doing within the fresh produce sector to become winners over the next two, three years. What's going to happen and how, how can we be successful on the back of it? So what, you, what I've heard in, the, in this past 20, 25 minutes, you have the answers. The answers yeah, are there. So you've talked about Texas Tough. You talked about saying no. That is the answer. So and this is but what you have to do actually is, OK, well, so what? So if we're not going to be working with the retail, who are we going to be working with? How are we going to look at alternatives? What does that alternative look like? So for me, I'm hoping that actually we start to see that actually there is more alignment, that people start to be saying, no, I'm not doing that. This is enough. Enough is enough. I cannot continue to do this. I can't fund the retailers with the money that I've got saved for a rainy day or for yeah. my kids or whatever that might be. Those days, they've got to stop. Yeah. And we're seeing 
far more producers, growers, farmers doing that and saying that. The answer yeah. is no. And actually, this is what retailers need to hear. As a buyer, I had far more respect from suppliers, from account managers who would say no. As a buyer, if I keep hearing yes, I will just keep asking for more and I will wow. take and take and take and take and take and take. Yeah. I have to hear no. Because when I hear no, I know that actually, you know what, there isn't anything else left. So I have to be hearing that no. And you have to de decide as an industry, where is that no? Where is that line that we cannot walk over anymore? Yeah. Uh, and when you've got inflation ring at 15, 20, 25 percent, that line is there yeah. uh, because you cannot afford to fund that anymore. And that's what that's what we're seeing. So and that's what I want to start seeing is I want to start seeing more growers, more suppliers, uh, more farmers saying no. And this is what we're going to do. This yeah. is who we are going to work with. This is how we're going to work with them. These are the markets that we are going to grow. These are the this is how we're going to diversify. Now, yeah. that may mean for the British retailers that they have less choice. If that's the case, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Yep. And uh, what's that from uh, a close friend of mine, Graham in Somerset? He says, uh, Max, give my warehouse example. So this individual runs uh, a 2000 acre farm down in Somerset, was having problems with uh, with milk and, and retailers as he picked up. And we're having the same thing happening over here where we're based in, in Suffolk. Um, the, uh, when a million when a billion pounds goes online out of the uh, the shop, um, out of city centres, when a million pounds is, sp is spent online, in addition, it needs three quarters of a million square foot of additional storage. That's why if you look around, there's so much new storage going up. Uh, yeah. Graham, Graham in Somerset, um, he disposed of, um, um, from memory, two thirds of his, uh, of, of his dairy herd and converted his bars into storage. Uh, for um, electrical goods uh, down in the West Country. And it's, and it's paying five times the amount. And um, although he loves cattle, electric, electric goods in, in a warehouse don't tend to uh, run around or, or need feeding. And he's getting a far better income. And, yeah. and he's got a long-term long contract. So there's, uh, Jed, I think it's great actually having you on and just say, you know the answer, everyone. The answer's there. Um, but perhaps you need to engage with the likes of Jed or and the NFU or and um, your um, other 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 fellow uh, members in, in this um, in in our collective uh, sectors just to find out what the answer is to talk it through because it doesn't just have to be the the retailer. There's there yeah. are other places that we can go, Jed. Yeah, I mean that's what I mean. We've been working with the NFU now for the past couple of years. We we, we run various yeah. different workshops. Yeah, and, and part of those workshops are giving you confidence. So we have to get with the big part of me. That's what the best part I get is giving you confidence to say no, because I know that's what you can do. And actually you can say no, actually. But what you then have to think, OK, well, if, if no, then so what? What are we going to do? And that's what we do. So when we're working with the NFU on these different, different workshops, whether it's GSCOP or negotiation skills, we say, look, this is what you have to be thinking about. You have to be thinking about what is the retailer going to do? You have to be able to say no to them because otherwise they will just keep taking. Yep. Uh, what's that from uh, Jed's in? Where are you, Jed? Uh, down, let's, let's just go down, down the West Country. Um, I've got a meeting with a major retailer next week about our uh, vegetable contract. I've learned so much from Jed, Jed today. I'm going to be Texas tough. Uh, we potentially have other alternatives because we've been looking down that avenue. If we have to say no, we're going to we're going to say no and we'll say no proudly uh, because we can't go on like this. So case mm -hmm. in point. And I think that's the, the, what what retailers rely on is they rely on them being the ones who have got the confidence. They rely on them being the ones that will pick and choose. You know what? This is what I'll do. And this is where absolutely stand proud and say, this is what we are going to do. This is what this is what we stand for. 
this is who we will work with this is the price we want and be really proud of the produce and the product that you're growing yeah. because that's what it is you've got smart type of some of the farmers and growers it's generations who've been working and working in the fields and this is what you can say this is what we do this is what we stand for and this is what the price is yeah um, and but some of them uh <laughs> some of the people dialed di di in Jen, uh, it's like a drug they can't get off the the, the the retailers so this is henry from the borders uh will all of the retailers survive which retailers would jed recommend that we be aligned to for the short the medium the long term you have to uh, this is where this is where you have to understand the retailers you have to understand your product and your produce and what you're what you're there for so each retailer does uh, does different things so you have an issue where you have to understand well what what do i what do i stand for where do my values where are they aligned what do i want is it something that i want something that is just dead simple and look that that's what that's what aldi the model that aldi and Lil have is just dead simple yeah. So there was a, a stat that uh, British Apples and Pears came out with over the weekend saying that Aldi, they are really close to being the number one uh, seller of British apples. So volumes are massive. Yeah. But then again, actually, well, what is, is it a price that you can afford? Because when you go in to any new customer, you have to go in with a price that you can afford. Do yeah. not go in thinking, well, I'll go in with this low yeah. price. And then you know what next year i'll put it up yeah when you go in with that price then that is it that you are not going to get that price up and you say well actually i need a bit more well why did yeah. you go with it in the first place so you've got to get the right price right at the start yeah texas stuff there, there we go um just just as we're coming up to um end of time are you concerned about any of the retailers and the respect of the, there's been um a lot of um acquisitions of retailers and take the likes of morrison's um who th there was there was a bidding war uh for morrison's and the um the end buyers overpaid uh for them so they've yeah. now got all that debt and presumably that's one reason why they're, they're not willing to give the margin that uh, all, the, all the growers uh need and, and and deserve because they've got that debt to finance is that going to cause them a, a problem like of morrison's jed is that going to cause them a problem ongoing yeah absolutely i mean morrison's are the biggest concern that i saw when you look at all the retailers they're the biggest concern that i've got out there at the moment wow. um because they have got seven billion pounds worth of debt some of that debt was sold off about two weeks ago and it was sold off at 60p in a pound that shows the confidence people have in morrison's so and wow. forget, morrison's are our only vertically integrated retailer yeah. so they've got their own abattoirs they've got their own packing houses so they've got that already so they so they, this is a problem that you have so have i got consumer morrison's absolutely i do yeah, Ken's going to be spinning in his grave, isn't he? Will. he? Absolutely, uh, would, yeah. and, and and we we haven't talked about it in too much detail, but you look at the likes of um, um, uh, Tesco's and, and Sainsbury's pulling back their delis, pulling back their their bakeries, pulling back their fish counters. Can can you see on the fresh produce side? It's a bit of a selfish question, but can you see on the fresh produce side that the offering might diminish from uh, from from the retail, especially if there's an ongoing shortage? Um, I I don't see that that, that will re it will reduce. So certainly, what I might see is. Then what they could do with is actually is green grocers in there to say about if you're going to put yeah. in products, how can you actually what what are they what are they about what are the alternatives yeah. Yeah. so that's what we're seeing is actually we're seeing reduction in people rather than reduction in product uh, and I think that's what we'll see is we'll continue they'll continue look how can they do things more efficiently and yeah. that's that is the biggest watch out is actually is when you're asked to do something more efficiently what actually is the long term cost to you? Yep. Yeah, agreed. So, so come on, Jed. 
Let, let's sub- summarize that. We, we've learned so much from you in, in but, but 55 minutes. A lot of it's common sense. But again, that's why we need someone like yourself, as I described you earlier, as a real beacon of hope um, because of your expertise um, in retail and your expertise uh, teaching people about retail. Just hold our hand again and just summarize for us what we need to do, what the sector needs to do to survive and prosper over, over the next three, four, five years, please. Yeah. The first thing, actually, is be confident. Be confident in what you've got and that people need what you are growing, buying and selling. So you've got to be confident. You also you have to look at alternatives. So you, and that sometimes that takes planning. So you might have to plan one, two, three, sometimes even four years down the line. What are, are your alternatives? Some of those alternatives might be something completely different as you talk yeah. about. So actually, the, the land that you're using, what are you going to use? How are you going to get most from that, from that land? You've got to be able to say no. So say no. Know what your walk away is. And that's what we're seeing. So what moment, what we're seeing in the southern sector, it is a literal walk away. It's, you know what? I'm closing down yeah. my greenhouses. I'm closing. Yeah. I'm no longer going to be farming. I'm taking a year off because actually it will be cheaper for me to do that and just to see what happens. So you, those are some of the things you've got. To, and you talked about it. Be Texas tough. You've got, if you're not Texas tough, that's what the retailers are doing every single day. So you have got to make sure that they know that you you are in charge, that's your product, it's your price. And actually, you know what? If you don't want it, I know somebody who does. Yep, well done. Now, now is your moment, everyone. I've had got about half a dozen people here asking, how do I get onto one of Jed's courses? Jed, give us the elevator pitch. How do I get onto one of your courses, please? <clears throat> the simple thing is actually just get in touch. So get in touch, so... Uh, so so it's it's jed at the retailmind.co.uk and actually and also with the nfu so i'm working with the nfu and actually if you go with the nfu then the nfu courses they're also they're discounted as well so actually so getting getting contact direct with the nfu because they've got a number of different workshops and actually what we'll give you is i'll give you that confidence because you it's there it's in you already but i'll just show you how to how to get it yeah, but I, I do think, Jed, that, and you will have seen this before, a number of senior leaders I meet, whether it be in produce companies or farms, quite often they're, they're lonely, commercially lonely, because they, they're they the person that's um, controlling everything. And F, all the issues are yeah. coming at them constantly. And yeah. sometimes they feel lonely and alone because they think that they're, they're the only one in, in this uh, in, in this in, in this morass of, of, of issues. That's, actually, that, they're not. That's, they're yeah, not. and that's, that's, that's why the workshops that we run, particularly with NFU, yeah. they're great, because what you get to hear is you get to hear the voices and the stories of yeah. maybe people who aren't in your category. Yeah. And actually then what you see is, all oh, right, I'm not alone. This is yeah. what's happening. And the more you hear about the stories about, so, right, okay, you know what? I am going to do this this time. So, and that's where hearing other people. So, and that's one of the reasons why I talk about things on LinkedIn, the way that I do yeah. is because I want everybody to see what is really happening. Yeah. And I want you to feel confident that you're not alone because i know the retailers they will do their damnedest to make sure that you feel like you are alone that you are the only one saying this the only one doing this and actually what i will do is i'll say you're not you're not alone and this is what's happening this is the reality this is why you can say no yeah i'm, I'm smiling because uh Jed, uh, it must be about a week ago, um, you, you posted up about Ocado um, and the, the CEO uh, very proudly saying that Ocado is pointing the, in the right direction. I won't go into detail because you need to dig, dig it out and uh, I might put it on the on the links uh, because Jed eviscerated <laughs> the CEO because he's because the, the Ocado haven't made any money in, in what, Jed, 20, 22 years? 20, over 20 years. 
Yeah, but it's going well. It's going well, Jim. They haven't made any money, but he's taken out over 100 million pounds. So you could say, well, actually, well, who's the fool? Oh, Everyone, I think this has been brilliant to have had Jed on. I think we're we're actually quite, quite privileged to to have him because we've had very few people on in the last two and a half years who've been able to go right, right to the truth of the matter. And it's not, it is, it is not rocket science what we all need to do. To do. I think we've learned so much from today. I'm going to go over this broadcast and type, type up some of the notes, but it's basically being confident. And you can learn that from, from doing the courses with the retail mind um, or, and via the NFU uh, with, uh, with Jed um, and, Say no, being being Texas tough. You grow great fresh produce product that can change people's lives. Uh, but why do you have to undersell it? So if you need yes. to take take a, a year out, whilst the market recovers and the retailers actually wake up as to what's going on, um, and be be more realistic as to how they remunerate the the, the sector and work in partnership. Just just keep in contact with Jed. Look look at him on uh, on on LinkedIn and enjoy the courses. Jed, wrap up for us. Just look. You this is why, as I said. The, you have the answers. So, and I, I, what what I really enjoyed over the past year, couple of years, actually, is working with the NFU because actually I see it and I worked at. But I've but relatives of mine. They were in they were in farming, so they were in uh, they had Jersey cows. That was great grandfather. And actually, then I've seen that what's been happening and how the industry has changed. But we have to make sure we are looking after it because if we don't what's going to happen so that is that's why i want you to continue to be texas tough and make sure that you are saying no and, and i'll do all that i can to help you with that jed thank you and just to wrap up what's your predictions of the six nations is it going to be italy six nations is going to be won by ireland there we go we've heard it here jed thank you you're fantastic catch up very shortly yes will do thank you bye bye bye